Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Precious the Foodie. I love to highlight impactful people, so though we're not talking about food today, I hope that this episode inspires you as an individual to go out and to be great, to make a difference in the world, whether that be through food or through creative solutions. All the best, let's jump in. Welcome to Precious the Foodie Podcast, the show that will uncover stories through palettes and memories. My name is Precious Pioneer, your host. I'm a chef, a creative, and a foodie. I'm meeting people all over the world using food as a medium to highlight truths into bite-sized pieces. Um, my name is Deirdre Haran. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts and I'm the founder of Dry. At Dry, we're creating a line of durable and fashionable umbrellas made from upcycled ocean-bound plastic. So we're currently in production and really excited to get these out and start not only raising awareness for the cause, but developing a product that um, will be good for the environment. That is so cool. I feel like <laughs> I feel like such a common problem. Our umbrellas are so tricky because you either lose them or they break really easily. And to have the recycled good, um, I think could at least do something good for the planet by recycling, you know, something that was already going into a landfill. Um, so I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was doing some research and I found that 1.1 billion end up in landfills and unfortunately our oceans every year. Um, mm -hmm. So that was just kind of a wake up call that they actually leave much more of a significant environmental footprint than we realize or mm -hmm. think through. So the recycled um, materials that we're using are just a great alternative to what's currently used. That's typically virgin polyester or nylon, which emits the most greenhouse gases upon creation out of any fabric. So mm -hmm. just kind of rethinking such a standard product to give it an environmental facelift is really our goal. Yeah. Oh, an environmental facelift. I love that. <laughs> um, so can you tell me a little bit about your background? Um, you said you're from Massachusetts. First off, how is the food over there? I'm just curious. And then also, how did you even get started with your startup? Yeah, of course. So the food in Boston is great. I love it. Um, we have the North End pretty close to my apartment. So we have the Italian food there. And then we also have our fair share of Irish pubs. So you got to love that comfort food. Yeah, and just great like American cuisine around too. Yeah, so kind of as some background, um, like I said, I grew up in uh, Massachusetts. I've had mm -hmm. some some great experience with a lot of traveling international and domestically. So that's been a really wonderful experience and definitely developed who I am as a person. I've done a lot of humanitarian trips when it comes to whether it's volunteering with kids or um, rebuilding after natural disasters. It's always something that I've really loved is um, philanthropy. Mm -hmm. So kind of when it came to developing Dry, it was the same type of motivation there. Um, I watched a documentary by Vice Magazine on um, a few of the journalists went out to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is, um, as a lot of people know, a very polluted part of the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have a misconception that there's just a ton of floating trash out in the middle of the ocean. Um, but it's really a soup more so, a plastic soup um, and plastic that's broken down by the waves and the sun over the course of time out there in the oceans. Mm. 
So watching that documentary, as I'm sure a lot of people know um, or have that documentary that really shakes them, and that was one for me. Mm-hmm. So I um, I decided to uh, do a little more research into it, and unfortunately, I learned that only 9% of the world's plastic is recycled, which is pretty wild when you think about all the plastic, I'm sure you know, that goes on food and, and keeps mm-hmm. food fresh and beverages and, and kind of everything you can think of. Right, so- single plastic, everything. I know a little bit about the plastic situation, how the plastic industry kind of died a little bit when foreign countries, you know, stopped recycling it, I guess is the word. Um, so how do you think that plays a huge impact in our role who, as an individual, as we continue to recycle and it just continues to pile into a landfill? Like there's a huge misconception now on what recycling actually does. And I honestly, I think we miss the mark in general because like the thing goes, uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. And I think we use recycle as the first point of action. And so what do you think all of that has an impact on an individual level? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree that kind of instead of reducing, we're relying on the whole recycling piece. And I don't think that that's... um, necessarily the most effective. Mm-hmm. But I I mean, I completely understand. I've had my fair share of iced coffees and it's just more convenient. But kind of thinking of ways to reduce that footprint when you are making those purchases and making those consumer decisions, kind of thinking more to the longevity of what the impacts will be of those purchases, I think is going to be as we continue to raise awareness and more products like Dry start emerging in the market that have that socially conscious mission I believe that the awareness of what you're purchasing and the impact will increase and um, that will that will cause the reduction aspect of it that we really need. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think we're just limited on um, those available options right now. And then I think uh, on the positive note, we are seeing some changes, like especially with COVID and so many people ordering takeout. Mm -hmm. Um, We're creating, like we already have had, you know, like eco-friendly packaging that breaks down naturally. And I think as we focus on companies like that and help build them up, it can become um, normalized. So I think you're right in that aspect. And I do definitely think that that's the future. I think that everybody does. Well, awareness is being raised more about these issues. And I think in turn, people do want to make these good decisions. So Mm -hmm. I'm very hopeful that moving forward, um, that's going to increase and be more prevalent. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that you really like philanthropy and Mm -hmm. you did a lot of humanitarian work. Where did that stem from? I know I feel like obviously it has a stem from kindness and you just really enjoyed doing that work. But like how I mean, on the technical side of like, how were you introduced to it? And then what kind of opportunities did you pick up? Where did you travel? You said that you traveled a lot um, to kind of gain this perspective on the world. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So it all started when I was 15. um, And I went with a youth group to Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina. And I just had a really powerful experience there when it came to, it was extremely eye-opening when it came to people who lived under different circumstances than myself and had experienced such trauma and and such disaster. So that really propelled me to continue that type of work and the way that it made me feel, um, the way that I was empowered and saw that I could make a difference really made me to want to continue on that trajectory. So since then, I went back to Mississippi a few times, but I've also um, been to Peru to do some work, um, Nicaragua, and then domestically as well in Arizona, working at food pantries, as well as in Massachusetts and local 
local um, Boston suburbs and urban areas. So I've been fortunate enough to really to get some good domestic travel in as well, because unfortunately, whether we like it or not, there is a good amount of, of poverty within our country. Of course, of course. I think we lose sight of that. But honestly, I think sometimes it's kind of weird to say, but I think that COVID has just exposed a lot of those situations that were kind of under the rug before with certain impoverished areas or especially within like minority communities and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, We can definitely see the huge gap between just access to basic healthcare or on the food side, food deserts and not having access to enough food and nutrition. And I think with that exposure now, we could see it and now we're able to help. I think before it was kind of hidden, I guess, or in our peripheral. A hundred percent. Yeah, I do think too that just like a lot of these societal issues, like you said, are now kind of emerging and coming to the forefront as we're kind of watching society from inside of our our homes and seeing mm-hmm. where, the, where the real gaps are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How would you say that you have changed uh, just experiencing those different cultures? Um, because you were in South America and uh, I just feel like, did you learn any Spanish or were you culturally influenced by the food there or by the people and traditions? Yeah, I mean, I definitely was. I think in Peru, um, one thing that, that you would be interested to hear is that I ate some guinea pig there, which was a very interesting experience. I also (laughs) – so it's interesting because it's a very prevalent dish there. So they kind of gave it to us without even Mm -hmm. really telling us. And I was eating it, and I was like, this doesn't really taste like chicken, so I'm not sure. And, it, yeah, it ended up that it was guinea pig, which is a really common dish there. Um, Mm -hmm. I was also able to do some volunteer work in Thailand, and um, there – a thousand year old eggs are prevalent as well. That's a pretty prevalent. Oh, wow. So um, yeah, that was, that was certainly interesting. And then um, in Nicaragua, they have incredibly spicy food there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I am not um, great with spice. So I accidentally had a really, really spicy pepper in one of my dishes and it led to (laughs) an influx of tears. (laughs) You have to be careful, you know, like I have Mexican background, so chilies are like easy for me, you know, so it's funny that you had that experience. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely not something I was expecting, but I mean, I've loved, loved traveling and experiencing those cultures and I was able to learn some Spanish. So that was definitely time that I really value. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you come back from all of your travels and then Okay, so how did you come up with your startup? Because I feel like um, we're tapping into a huge rabbit hole when it comes to eco-friendly designs or products or, I don't know, finding solutions for the climate crisis. How did you stumble upon Umbrellas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So after I watched that documentary, like I said, it had really stuck with me. And I went into kind of this rabbit hole of research about recycling. And like I said, unfortunately, only 9% gets recycled, but... There has been some innovation when it comes to recycling water bottles and and plastic uh, PET, so soda bottles and those types of things. So I found out that they actually are now taking those bottles and can recycle them, upcycle them into polyester yarn, which Mm -hmm. fascinated me just watching that whole process. Mm -hmm. So I learned that companies like Adidas are starting to weave those into their shoes and shirts and making uh, product lines out of that. 
So that just really fascinated me, but it was something I kind of put in the back of my mind. But then a few weeks later, I was walking to work in the rain and my umbrella flipped inside out and snapped as umbrellas often do. Yes. <laughs> if we're being honest, it's a pretty, pretty standard occurrence. Yeah, it's so sad too. <laughs> I know it really is. And there's nothing you can do besides throw them in the trash can, right? Because once mm. they're done, they're kind of done. So I threw that one in the trash can and then I was a few yards away and I had that very cliche, very cheesy entrepreneurial aha moment. And I walked back to the trash can and I checked the tag and it said 100% polyester. So Mm. armed with the knowledge that, you know, we can take these PET bottles that millions are made every day and we can turn those into polyester yarn, just kind of adding two plus two and thinking through this concept of recycling those those ocean-bound PET bottles and and weaving them into umbrella canopies started to piece mm-hmm. together in my mind. So that's kind of where the idea originated from. Initially, I was trying to pull the plastic from the ocean mm-hmm. and that turned out to be much more difficult in practice than in theory. and having talked to a few scientists since then uh, their real concern at this point is preventing this influx and starting to cut down on the amount that flows in versus the amount that's currently in there right yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense because I've seen different technology like what is that project the big ocean cleanup Mm -hmm. where they develop that technology that kind of uh, rides with the waves and collects yeah. all of the trash. Yeah. And I think that's really great. But like you said, I think there is the misconception that it's just a giant like wall of plastic. The fact that it is breaking down does impact so much of like the water and the sea creatures that are in the ocean. But I think it's so interesting that you had that uh, revelation of like, oh, you know what, let me try to work this out. And take recyclables and turn it into umbrellas. How did you go into that process? Because did you, how do you have like the access, how did you get the access to like the water bottles and that whole experimentation process and developing the product? I kind of want to know a little bit of the back end of how you even, you have this idea, like what's your first step? Yeah. So um, there's actually, there's just so many pieces of supply chain that I really had to take it piece by piece. And the first, of course, was actually obtaining this ocean-bound plastic. So there are a few different companies that are doing this, which is which was great to see. But a lot of them, the fabric would only have about 33% of ocean-bound plastic or less than what I considered ideal. So I found a company that the majority above 75, 75 to 100% of the fabric will be made from the ocean-bound plastic itself. And it's just a beautiful supply chain. It involves waste pickers in local communities, which is um, a full-time position actually in those countries. Mm -hmm. And they bring in those bottles into a recycling facility. They're turned into um, from from the PET bottles to the polyester yarn. And that yarn is then shipped to a fabric mill and the fabric mill sends it to the umbrella factory. So I just think personally, it's this beautiful supply chain that creates a lot of jobs along the way especially in communities that, for example, in Southeast Asia, where the most of the world sends its trash and sends its recycling to these mm-hmm. communities with very poor waste infrastructures. Right. So a lot of this influx flowing into the ocean is supposedly from Southeast Asia, but it's really from first world countries as well. 
So, right. I, you know, I always, it, part of me just, it feels guilty that the, that those countries get blamed for this influx, but really it's a global issue. Yeah, it really is. And I think what opened my eyes, like how you said you watched a documentary on Vice. Mm-hmm. I um, recently watched a documentary. It's on Netflix. What is it called? Uh there's like only four episodes or something. And one of them is with wood and how Ikea is like cutting down all the trees and causing deforestation. <laughs> and um, there was another one related to the plastic waste mm-hmm. and going into recycling and how, especially in America, like we're not very good at cleaning our plastic first off. And mm-hmm. then also we don't sort our plastic as well. And yeah. so that just causes a lot of like more clogs in the system mm-hmm. and how we do just ship it abroad, but they can't recycle all of our trash essentially. Mm-hmm. And so it builds up and that's how it ends up in the ocean. Like they just don't have any place for it. Exactly. You know? And it's just a huge issue because like we're not the only country that does it. And so when you send it all into one location that has no place for it, it does just clog this whole issue like where it's like a it's a loop like we're trying to recycle by doing like with our mind thinking that we're doing better and making a change but at the same time like our plastic is ending up in the ocean which is what the which is the worst case scenario yes exactly exactly and sending it to these small countries again who don't have the type of you know we put our our recycling or our garbage on the curb and somebody comes through to take them take it away and then it's out of sight out of mind exactly but it's not the same in those countries they it's a prevalent area of their country where all of our our trash sits so it's just a sad process and so alternatively starting to build circular economies that takes care of that and creates jobs out of that kind of mess that we all send mm-hmm. feels like just the right thing to do and the right way to pursue our future um, because obviously plastic production unfortunately isn't going away it's actually increasing which mm-hmm. is pretty scary so just finding a way to figure out what we're going to do with this instead of people don't necessarily love to lobby or to picket or to protest so mm-hmm. thinking of alternative ways to do something with what is currently being created yeah, exactly. I think that's awesome. I think it's just so awesome because like I was talking to um, a friend of mine and we were talking about everybody's individual role because sometimes I feel like with these issues, um, it feels overwhelming like an individual person can't make a difference because there's just so many issues uh, related to this, um, especially in relation just to the climate crisis in general and how you said like what was it like nylon did you say nylon breaks down and causes co2 or yeah so nylon and polyester when mm-hmm. they've been created actually release the most amount of greenhouse gases out of any out of any product produced right exactly and so when we have issues like fast fashion mm-hmm. and um disposable easy easy convenience and disposable products um, that are meant for single use. It just contributes. And so I think it's just people like you who like really want you, you're like this on the super end of like making a change and being really innovative. But also I think um, our purchases and our choices from an individual scale, people who aren't necessarily entrepreneurs also play a role. And I think that's really cool. Yes, 100% precious. I feel like that also is a big part of Dry's mission and my mission is to make people feel empowered and that they can make a difference. And Mm -hmm. that even, like I said, if they don't want to lobby or protest, the way that they spend their dollars 
does have an impact on the world and can improve it in a positive way. So Mm -hmm. even if it's not necessarily through a dry purchase, I just want people to walk away from the company with the understanding um, that they can make a difference and that what they purchase does. So that's really important to me as I build the company. That's so awesome. So with so with dry, uh, you are in the process of manufacturing. You don't have any to sell yet, right? Or are you having a launch soon? Yeah. So they are currently in production, which is very exciting. Um, and my launch is going to be in spring of 2021. Okay. Yay. We have something to look forward to. <laughs> I'm excited. That's that's so awesome. Um, so with your dry brand, is it I hate to compare like apples and apples here, but um, do you plan to be informative and educational with your product? And the first thing that comes to mind is like Patagonia, like their mm-hmm. whole brand is like, don't buy a t shirt, but if you need a t shirt, you can buy one from us, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so um, but the thing is that their biggest thing is educating people on their social impact. And based on your story and what I've heard, I think it would just be so helpful to understand the impact of umbrellas. And so I was curious on whether you're going towards the educational route or on the like eco-friendly replace your umbrella route, or I guess they can be both like one in the same, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I do agree one in the same. I do think that, and Patagonia does a beautiful job about this, that there's a fine line between being preachy and being informative Mm-hmm. And I would never want to make any consumer feel like we would be preaching at them. I just want them to walk away feeling like they're more knowledgeable about that particular societal issue. So I definitely am going to include materials on the websites and in the packaging that explains the issue and, and ways that we can address it. But I would never want anyone to to feel like they're, you know, we're on our high horse trying to talk down to <laughs> about their single use plastic. We just want to try to um, offer them opportunities to incorporate those recycled products into their life instead of utilizing a new product. I don't know about you, but the the other aspect of this of this um, concept for me was that I had no idea who made my umbrella. I was looking at it in the trash mm-hmm. bin, and I had absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we buy umbrellas oftentimes at a corner store or whatever because most of the time we forget our actual umbrella and then but it's pouring so we stop by really quick at Target and pick one up or something like that you know so it's more like out of a grab and reach or reactive as of like oh this is a really good umbrella brand you know or taking the time to actually buy a high quality one because I feel like the cheapy ones are the ones that snap super easy too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's why they'll be, I've tried to have them built from sturdier materials. So um, steel instead of fiberglass when it comes to the shaft itself, the fabric is a little bit heavier. So that helps. And then the handle instead of being plastic or wood, because I can't cut down the Amazon while I'm trying to save the oceans. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point. I found a good alternative there. um, And the handles will be made of bamboo. So that's pretty exciting. Um, that we recently incorporated. Um, But yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I feel like umbrella consumerism is a lot of about convenience, grabbing them at the corner store for five, six dollars or Target for 10 or 11 or or what have you. Mm -hmm. But I know when I have a product that I'm really excited about, I try to figure out how to incorporate it into life. So I think twice about kind of grabbing it on the go, I think. And yeah, that's my hope. That's my hope for dry. 
I, I love that. Thank you so much. I think your story is so good and I'm really excited for the launch of your product. Um, I love companies that are changing the world, you know, like with their with their ideas, you know, and I don't know, I'm just really excited for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm I'm very excited too. And I think we're gonna definitely have an impact. I mean, from the first umbrella sold really, they should they should be taking about 45, preventing about 45 PET bottles from flowing into the ocean. So mm-hmm. it's kind of great to think that the impact doesn't just have potential. It's inevitable from the first one sold. So that's pretty exciting to me. Yeah. Something that I do with all of my guests on the show is if the listeners didn't have an opportunity to listen to anything that we have said this far, uh, what would you like to leave them with? Your last two cents, uh, your mic drop moment, whatever you'd like, (laughs) whatever you'd like. Um, I would just say, honestly, I know I touched on it before, but just really reiterating the power that we do have. You shouldn't feel like even though these these societal issues, especially like you mentioned, especially climate change, while they are overwhelming and while it may seem like you can't make a difference, you can. And that's just really, really important to remember and important to act as if you do have that power. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think sometimes we forget that we get lost in whatever we're doing and we feel like we're one individual. But um, I think that as an individual, it's amazing because um, just one person like you, one person started something that every time someone buys an umbrella, that's another one person. And um, we add up pretty quick (laughs) over time, you know, and and I also think that what is it? It's like a current, you know, a wave, you know, so like one person and then another person and it just continues on. It's like a ripple or butterfly effect. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I love what you're doing too with this podcast and amplifying people's voices. I think it's it's so beautiful and you've had some wonderful conversations that I've listened to and really enjoyed. So thank you for doing what you're doing as well. Of course. Um, Well, thank you. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, I think the listeners got so much value from your show. Do you have any social media yet for uh, your dry company that they can follow you on and be on your wait list? Yeah, absolutely. So the website is www.drydri.earth. And then um, Instagram is at stay underscore dry D-R-I. And Mm -hmm. Twitter is dry D-R-I umbrellas. Awesome. Okay, I'll be sure to link all of that information in the show notes. So everybody go check it out. (laughs) Wait in line like I am. (laughs) And um, I'm excited for your umbrellas in the spring. Amazing. Thank you so much, Precious. Thank you to everyone to tuning into this week's episode. I hope that you feel encouraged and inspired. If you enjoyed this episode, then go ahead and share it with a friend or family member or anyone who you think would benefit from this episode. Or maybe consider leaving a review. I really love reading those. Um, But other than that, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll see you next Wednesday. And as always, live life with love and love food with life. Bye guys. Till next time.